I need to talk about religion. Greetings, everyone. Hello. This episode is completely done off the top of my head, fully freestyled. No reading, no writing, no researching, no scripts off the dome. Let's explore this. So, I thought about religion. And I decided that it is important for me to clarify how I feel about the church. We'll start there. I recognize that I would like to partner up with the church when it comes to Helping them understand more of the solutions that are needed for people who are made to feel invisible, physically and internally. I want to be the bridge, I want to bridge the gap and be the bridge between people who are in the church and people who are no longer in the church. And I think that that bridge needs to be gapped because I have a heart for the church. That's why I talk about it so much. I have a heart for I have a heart for Christendom. And here's what I mean when I say I have a heart. Uh, It means that people need to see church people communicating their grievances peacefully. So... This is a healthy way for a church to be more attractive to people. If you have a dilemma with someone, do not make a YouTube video about it immediately. Do not make a social media reel immediately. And do not make a posts for viral reasons immediately if you have that person's contact information you speak directly to that person because that's what Matthew chapter 18 stated as being the words of Jesus if you have a conflict with somebody Try your best to resolve it alone. If you cannot, get non-salacious, non-sensational people involved. People who have the temperament and credentials appropriate to mitigating the 
the dilemmas and conflicts that are occurring. So don't get a busy body and don't get a nosy person. Um, and the, the wisdom will carry you from there on how to proceed next now that you have the right people involved because you tried your best with that person and for myriad of reasoning, things did not work out well. Sometimes that happens. Also, if you have a dilemma with someone regarding theology, for example, regarding their stances on biblical subjects. What you should do is try to DM that person. Try to reach out to that person to talk to them about your righteous indignation or any unsettling confusion. Because many people have seen some, but not all church people. Let's say somebody show support for any issue that's considered culture warish or opposition. That's just to a subject that's culture culture warish. What each party involved should do is not engage in a bashing competition. And each party should not use the Bible for the bashing competition reasoning. This is what should happen. Have, try to meet that person in person and eat with them because that's what Jesus would do. He ate with people when he really, really wanted to spread his message to them, he he did so spiritually but physically. So this is what should happen in, in, in the church world. Try, you know, you don't have to agree on everything. That's not the purpose of the interaction. But when we can have uncomfortable dialogue about the Bible, Because sometimes as a church person, a Christian person, or kingdom disciple person, that is a part of the Jesus following life. And I say that respectfully. Um, What can happen is this. Why not say, let's examine each other's cultures. Okay, let's be honest about what life is like for each other. In terms of the good, the great, the bad, and the ugly. I'm talking about how one is being treated. How one is being seen, societally speaking. And then this is what happened. This is what should happen in church. It should not be a warfare psyche mentality. What should happen is that people should understand that everyone's relationship with Jesus in the church is not one and the same because everyone has diverse traumas, diverse victories, um, diverse careers, 
diverse personal lives and diversified environments. So when we recognize that that's that that all impacts how we all interpret the Bible. Notice I did not encourage sin. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is is not interpreting the Bible the same way doesn't mean that Jesus is under siege. We have to understand that, for example, the Bible in terms of interpretationally, one person may have cancer. So how how a person with cancer interprets the Bible will be different than from a person who is in poverty interprets the Bible differently. One, the person with cancer may be economically sound with medical care. The person in poverty may not have any medical care, no hospital to go to. So I'm not saying they can't interpret the Bible in similarities to some extent, because that may be true. But will they completely interpret the Bible the exact same ways? No, because they have diversified life-threatening challenges. So even good people in the church may not see eye to eye on the Bible because we're all diverse. We're all different. We're all unique. So I think the pressure to interpret the Bible exact same ways on everything is unfair because I'll give one last example. A person who makes a living as an entrepreneur will interpret the Bible differently than a person who is an employee and they always work for somebody. So their relationships with Jesus are not monolithic. The church is not monolithic. And I want to bridge the gap between people who are unchurched and church. I'm not talking about warring. R-A-R-R-I-N-G. What I am talking about is taking turns going to each other. Like, even if one person may feel like they don't experience God in a church, they may experience God in a restaurant. God in a park or 
God at the movies or God sitting at home watching documentaries, you can have church with them in those other ways. Church doesn't have to be a monolithic, singular pathway. Yeah, some people experience God in the four walls and that's okay. Um, but some people experience God through philosophy. Some people experience God through activism. Some people experience God through being around safe people. Um, so there's more than one way to experience what is commonly called, who was commonly called God. And that is something I wanted to help the church understand. And plus, here's my message to the church. I know that some of my episodes may be what they are. And they can cause a lot of reactions and feelings. And I get that. I want each the church to understand what life is like for me as a black person an autistic person who lived a slave narrative type of childhood. Basically, how I grew up is very similar to what my ancestors went through. Yes, they went through it much worse than I because there were actual laws against their bodies and their souls. I'm not saying our oppression was one and the same. I would never say that. That's wrong. I know that the traumas they went through is infinitely worse than mine. But the traumas are very similar. Even if they're not the exact same, the traumas are very similar. So my childhood was a slave narrative kind of childhood. If If you listen to the episodes, you will really understand why I'm saying it. But... I want the church to understand that I don't hate you. I actually love you. And I want the church to understand that I'm not interested in changing your beliefs. I'm not interested in changing your theology. I'm not interested in changing your interpretations of the Bible because that's not what human rights is about anyway. What I'm saying is, is that regardless of your beliefs, your theology, interpretations of the Bible, just understand that people like me would love to feel belong in the church. Meaning, we really one here preaching and teaching that alleviates what we couldn't help but to endure. So my message to the church is that um, is that Despite what I've been through in life, I, y'all can be allies to people like me. 
Um, and my message to the church is also this. And, and I can hear y'all wondering how I feel about Jesus. The church wants to know. I would say, and these are new thoughts, things I've never said before. But how I feel about Jesus is this. Jesus I don't hate him um I don't have a problem with him um he doesn't hate me and he doesn't have a problem with me there's no issue between us there's no conflict between us um I will say, because the church is probably, you're probably wondering about me having child Christian episodes and adult secular episodes. Let's really talk about that. Holding on to God is not peaches and cream when you're black. Holding on to God is not sugar and rainbows when you're autistic. And holding on to God is not kumbaya 24-7 when I was forced to be a slave. That's what organized crime is. I was forced to be a cult follower. That's also what organized crime is. So this is what my message to the church is. Now I want now I hope you fully understand that science is a part of my self-healing, so is academic scholarship. But human rights is my ministry. Um, I consider myself to be a a human rights pastor, just not the traditional way. And some people get alarmed. Human rights pastor, what is that? Human rights pastor. My flock is each and every group of the entire human diversity. And I pastor all of them. And how do I pastor all of them? It's really simple. I fight for all their rights regarding their personal lives and their professional lives. That's what I'm here to do. Notice, I did not put a singular Um, way of doing that. This is not about having people be pious. Um, I respect pious people. And the right to piety 
is one of the human rights that we fight for. I feel that for me, my um, that my human rights ministry is truly all about moral universalism and universal value. Basically, I'm into universality. And being a human rights pastor is we it's it's I wouldn't call it a theology because no one has to adopt a singular theology within my ministry. Um It's what I call the gospel of belonging. We all have to be positive people. We are do no harm, live and let live. Golden rule, silver rule, platinum rule, honoring people. We are world peace, inner peace people. That's what I mean. We are equal rights, human rights, animal protecting, gray area thinking, environmentalist people. We are non judgmental. We are for equity and equality. We are for We are for just justice. And so this is also I want to say to the church, I um I tr- I am thankful for what church has done in terms of feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, giving clean water to the thirsty, um, engaging in prison reform, and caring for those who are lonely and visiting them, and befriending those that don't have any friends and becoming family to orphans. Obviously, the church did much more good things than that. But I can acknowledge what the church has done right and continues to do right. Um, 
I also want to say to the church that there are some people who are survivors of all kinds of traumas and abuses. Some of them struggle with the idea of being in a church. Some of them struggle with listening to worship music. Some of them struggle to listen to preaching. Some of them struggle to listen to teaching. Some of them struggle when it, you know, with the concepts of attending convocations and consecrations. Some sh- are struggling with tithes and offerings, and uh, some are struggling with speaking in tongues. Some are struggling with falling out on the altar. Some are struggling with the do-do-do-do-do-do-do drum part of the worship service. Some are struggling with the ha when when preachers preach. And some are struggling with praise dancing. Um, some are struggling with pass the peace. Some are struggling with the tell your neighbor. And some are struggling with Christian conferences, Christian seminars, and Christian book signing events, and Christian television, Christian newspapers, and Christian news networks. Some are struggling with Sunday school and Bible study classes. And, you know, a lot of survivors are struggling with God, struggling with Jesus, struggling with the Holy Spirit, struggling with the Bible, and struggling with the church. So I want to help the church to understand the mindset that survivors don't want to have, but we can't help to have because of abusers demonizing us. And I want to make it clear that my goal is not to harm the church, it's to help the church. I have no interest in harming the church, I have interest in helping the church. My goal is also to help people to recognize more about how to engage those who have left the church or contemplate leaving church. And I can help church understand what's going on. I'm not saying you have to agree because that's not what I'm trying to get church to do. I'm trying to help church recognize this is what's really happening to people. For example, you know, I want to say, I need to say, I want to say this on record. When it comes to uh, church, I will never tell anyone to leave the church. I will never tell anyone to stay in church because in the human rights world, we don't have a my way or the highway mentality. We tell people to do what's right for them, to weigh their options wisely, look at is there more pros and cons, more cons than pros, 
And once you tell yourself the truthful answer, you must decide how you will wisely proceed from there. So that's what's happening. And um, I want to make it clear that in church, sexually speaking, because let's talk about this. In the human rights world, you have the right to wait until marriage to have sex if that is naturally a part of who you are. In the human rights world, we also acknowledge that people have the right to not wait until marriage to have sex. Notice, we're not telling you sexually you have to do this and that. In human rights world, we acknowledge that there are diversified views on gender and sex and sexuality and gender identities. We don't try to tell people to, you got to think this way. It's like, however your views are on those subjects, just understand that we're fighting for every side involved. We fight for traditionalist right to be traditionalist. We also fight for non-traditionalist rights to be non-traditionalist. So that's how the human rights world works. We fight for everybody. Meaning, everyone's civil and political rights must be honored. Everyone's liberty, personhood, and pursuit of happiness has to be honored. Now, we do... Um, stand against hate groups. We, um, we do take a knee against hate crimes. That is what we do in the human rights world. Hate groups and hate crimes are always and forever unacceptable to us. And so I want you to understand No one is saying you can't follow Jesus. No one is saying you can't publicly follow Jesus. I will never say that to you. I'll never try to tell you that because that's disrespectful. I will say that, you know, however you choose to follow Jesus according to your relationship with him, that, um... It has to come from a place of unconditional compassion. Okay. No one is saying you can't be a kingdom disciple. What we're saying is that throughout history, Christian nationalism, dominion theology, Zionism, theocracies have been used for purposes of brutality, violence, world domination, plundering, stealing economies, and hijacking cultures. So we're not saying you can't be passionate about Jesus. We're not saying you can't be compassionate about God. We're not saying you can't be compassionate about the Holy Spirit. We're not saying you can't be compassionate about the Bible. And we're not saying you can't be passionate about the church. 
We're saying there's a difference between being a disciple of Jesus versus state religions. Um, one is acceptable following Jesus. The other state religion is unacceptable. And in the human rights world, we abhor state atheism because state atheism is similar in terms of world domination than state religions are. So, in the human rights world, we also have to honor people's right not to follow Jesus. We have to honor secularity. Um, We have to honor all the other people's rights to be of all the other religions. They're a faith. They're just not Christians. And that's what it is about. That's what we do. So... As a human rights person, will I be in, for example, will I be at events that the American Human Association may have? Yes, because we have to engage secular people. Will I be at events within mosques and churches and temples and synagogues and centers sometimes? Yes. Because we have to engage in with faith-based communities. Human rights applies to the faith-based and the secular. No one is excluded from the human rights cosmos. So, what I'm saying is, is this. Science and academic scholarship... As human rights people, we use it to um, benefit the faith-based and the secular. What does that mean? We don't dictate science, and we don't dictate academic scholarship. What we do is saying, hey, those two worlds can honor the humanity of the faith-based and the secular. That's what that means. And I also want to say this on record. I'm a person that truly wants to help the church to be the best that it can be. I feel that way towards all houses of worship, all mosques, all temples, synagogues, all centers. I have a heart for the secular movement because... Just like I support um, people's rights to be um, 
of faith practitioners, I also support the secular movement. So I want the secular movement to be the best that it can be too. Um, I can support religious freedom non-discriminatively and I support the secular movement non-discriminatively, meaning both movements have to be free of the urge of discriminating, period. So I want to help secular people be the best, you know, that secular people can be too. So notice I'm not playing any favoritism. I'm not doing any elitism. I'm not doing any cronyism. I'm not doing any nepotism. I'm not telling you to be this. I'm not telling you to be that. We are middle grounding all this. So, um, I just want to say, in regards to my child self, this is the best way for me to conclude. My child self is happy that there's an equilibrium between his child self and adult self. For example, I choose to live a life of positive people. Some are secular and some are faith-based. Notice, I did not allow my trauma to make me hateful of non-believers. I also did not allow my trauma to make me hateful of believers. Notice, I have believers and non-believers in my life on purpose. And they are both wholesome people. This is the best way to... This is the closing of all closings. I decided... To be of inner beauty towards the religious and the non-religious. Because that is naturally all of who I am. I am an asset and not a liability to the naturally secular and the naturally religious. As for those who are survivors, I would recommend to the church that there should be a, um, should do workshops seminars and conferences on each and every kind of trauma 
and y'all should attend conferences, workshops, and seminars about each and every trauma. And it is okay to build relationships with experts who are secular, and it's okay to build relationships with experts who are faith-based. It's okay to even build relationships with experts who are part of interfaith coalitions. Um, I think that these can the, these can really help bridge the gap between the secular and the faith-based worlds. Um, so, I'm just so glad that I am a hero to those who are unbelievers as well as to those who are the pious. 